0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media 1.0. That's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community.
2: Welcome to uh, Sunday edition. As you can tell, this is not Anthony. Uh, This is Cheryl Cummings and uh, my husband, Tim Cummings. We are hosting uh, this continued discussion on religion and disability. We have a fantastic panel with us this morning, and they will introduce themselves when they begin to speak. But for now, I'm going to just tell you that they're their names. We have um, Lorna DeRosa, DeRosa's with us. We have Kathy Herb. We have, um, this is what happens when you think you know, but you don't know. Um, we have Earl actually, Rob.
3: actually, he's not here yet, I don't think. So.
2: Okay. And Doug, uh, remind me of Doug's last Doug name. Doug Cancer. Doug Hansard is with us. Um, And then, thanks to the miracle of technology, we're going to hear from some friends who were with us last time, Michael Garrett and Lynn uh, Corral. Um, But And wait, Mark Rutger, we forgot Mark Mark Rutger, oh my gosh. He's here in
3: person. Yeah, we just, I
2: mean, we were really excited to bring everybody together to continue this really, um, I think, you know, thoughtful and and thought-provoking discussion. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Tim to sort of start us off
3: today. Okay. I am here. Oh! Oh okay. my gosh! Oh, all right. So we don't. Yeah, we don't need. We don't need any recordings of you. We've got you in the flesh, Michael.
4: Okay. So exciting. Air Air flight can can help.
3: Awesome. Um, okay. So Cheryl, do we want to have everybody go around and just uh, first before we start and give their faith affiliation?
2: Well i thought i thought it would be nice like once once they start talking when they first talk they could tell us sort of okay their faith, all right that's okay um, that's, that's fine. Our affiliation fine. is yeah. all right
3: so we so we started uh we started this discussion last week and um i'm gonna take a little different tack because the last time we were discussing this from a uh, christian jewish and um we didn't have any Muslims on the panel. So, Christian Jewish perspective. But I have, we have a new participant here this week, and I'd like to get her thoughts on this. So, um, Kathy, welcome. Um, and tell us what tradition you're from. And then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. But I'm so glad you're here.
5: Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to be here. I am Kathy Herb, and I am a Hindu. All right. Cool. So, um, Kathy,
3: just because I'm sure some of our audience, a lot of our audience is not that familiar with Hinduism, tell us a little bit about Hinduism and any comments you have on uh, disability in relation to Hinduism. And I'm, and I'm thinking particularly in terms of the whole idea of uh, reincarnation and you know, multiple lives and possibly coming back as a person with a disability?
5: Well, actually, I can't really speak much, unfortunately, about disability because I've never been able to um, be in any kind of setting. So it's more a lifestyle for me. Um, But Hinduism uh, includes, there are lots of deities um, and um, there is, I do worship one of those, and um, they as far, yeah, there is, there is the belief about reincarnation um, and that kind of thing. I don't know really too much about, I don't think, I'm not really aware of too much of relating to disability in Hinduism, I'm afraid, but um, anything else? Um, be happy
3: to talk about if you like. Yeah, no, I was just curious because my understanding was that, um, in Hinduism, if you if you're obviously, the belief is that you can go, you have multiple lives. You can come back as uh, another person. You can come back as an animal, but in some of the Hindu teachings, the idea was that if you if you're a person with a disability, it may be because of something that you did in a previous life. That's the only reason I'm asking. Uh, oh
5: yeah, that I don't even know really. Um, I've I've heard that you don't once you become once you uh, come into life as a person, you don't go back to being an animal. You only go forward from there. Right. Right. So yeah, but
3: okay. uh, yeah, cool, awesome. <laughs> Um all right so last time we left off uh let's see um i we left off talking about where do we end up uh oh we we talked about we talked about the blind man in um the gospel of john mm-hmm. so Uh, and had a quite an interesting discussion about that. So I wanted to get to a, and get people's thoughts on this, um, because we're talking about the body here and one passage that popped out at me when I, um, was reading through the book and looking, uh, was first Corinthians chapter 13 and, um, let me check and see if that's correct i want to i don't want to get my biblical references wrong here for all the biblical scholars in this uh, in this group uh yes first corinthians actually it's first corinthians chapter 12 chapter 12 i'm sorry um so let me share my screen and to refresh people's memory i'm just gonna uh play this okay And this is thanks to NLS. This is from the NIV, by the way. So, um, here we go.
0: One body, many parts. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it.
3: Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to start with since, since, since I was going to uh, I was going to play this clip but he's here not live, so we can speak for himself i'm going to start with michael on this and michael my question to you which i asked you last week was um does this matter if we're talking about an able a, a disabled body or 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 a able-bodied body does that even matter in this discussion And what's what is your understanding of this passage
4: this past- symbolizes the church as a, if you as, as a Christian we believe that when you believe in Christ you become a part of the universal church so the body represents all if you if you go back to the beginning of that chapter it talks about this spiritual gifts each person yeah, Each person has a spiritual gift who's a part of the body of Christ. And so when he talks about the parts being honored or or the body suffering, it it simply means that when you use your spiritual gift to honor or to bolster the body, you, you 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 are acting on behalf of Christ. So, you know, we talk about we talk about uh, there are things such as service, there are things such as uh, uh, exhortation, giving, administration, all of the different uh, prophecy, all of the different Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts that are used to edify Mm -hmm. the body, edify the Mm -hmm. church, to build it up so that each member can be as old as they can so it's just a it's it's a, it's a it's a metaphor for the universal church it doesn't matter whether the person is a person with a disability it doesn't matter you have a spiritual
3: gift okay does anyone else want to make any comments lorna
6: sure um
3: i would say i love this
6: passage because when we think about the body of christ by virtue of our baptism we are all called to serve we are all called to be disciples and we are all called to share our particular gifts and um, the beauty of this passage is that even the weaker parts of the body are essential to the body and so i think that's an important thing to consider is that, um, and just as um, Mike just said, um, we are all called to share our gifts, whether we are a person with a disability or not. Um, we are we are all called to serve and share our gifts within the body of Christ, within the
3: church. Mister Actually, oh, go hold ahead, on one Cheryl.
2: second. Yeah, Lorna, can you tell us sort of your faith tradition?
6: Oh sure, my faith tradition is Catholic.
2: Okay, thank you. Sure. All right, go ahead, Tim. <clears throat> DJ. I think he just oh. got like kicked out. I did not know that he's back as yet.
3: Okay, well let's 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 call on Mr. Reichert then, Mark.
1: Hello there. So yes, yeah, so my faith background. So. <laughs> Been lifelong Christian Lutheran tradition. Grew up in the conservative wing of the of the Lutheran Church, and uh, and have had a bit of a, a roller coaster faith journey since then. But you know, the Lord has a tendency to grab a hold of you and never let you go. Um, and thank God for that. Um, this passage, I love it. I love the comments that were just made, and I love the idea that uh, you know, Paul goes through this whole thing about. All of the more prominent members require the service and and are dependent on even the weaker members, which is a a lovely image. And of course, I also have to smile wryly at the parts of the passage where, you know, those parts of the body that are not so flattering uh, or that uh, shouldn't really be mentioned, we take special care to protect them with modesty, right? Like every role that's played by all of the members of that body not only plays an essential role but but in the way that that uh, God orders these things uh, they enjoy a certain status and there's this line that I do not think is a throwaway line in the passage where you know the most prominent and honorable members don't require any special treatment as if to say once again the last shall be first and the first shall be last right the body of Christ, is seen as a group of equals no matter what their capacity, no matter what their role and uh, and what a lovely thing. And if I can lapse into a little bit of sort of ACV-ness or frankly, any organization, I think any organization would do well to think about all of its members in the same sort of way instead of getting preoccupied with who's the top dog, uh, whoever has the most prominence Um, To recall that every member in that organization, whatever peculiar role they play, uh, has a place to be uh, honored. And uh, if we remember that, then we're truly being Christlike.
7: Excuse me, if
8: I Uh, could just interrupt for one second. There's an area code 925 with their hand raised and unmuted. I'm wondering if that's one of your panelists.
3: Oh, it might be. It Uh, it is. This is Earl. Oh, great. Okay, welcome, Great. welcome, welcome. Can you rename him, Lucy? Or- you betcha. Okay, it's Earl Rob R A A B. Uh, Earl, yes. welcome. I thought you were
1: going to rename him Frederica or something, and you <laughs> said you were going to rename him. I wasn't sure which you where you're going with that. No,
3: no, 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 no. Okay. That's that's okay. for another show.
1: <laughs> another show.
9: <laughs> yeah. He- um, you can rename you can rename me, but. Uh, but it won't matter. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah but I'll still be me. Uh, I was going to interject. I am Earl Rob Rab, actually. I'm, and I represent the Jewish Hour. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm here replacing uh, Lynn Corral, who is irreplaceable. But anyway, um, obviously, in the Jewish tradition, we don't consider ourselves a part of the body of Christ. However, um, if you separate out all the different parts of the body, um, you have to understand that some do have more influence than others. Uh, A couple of decades ago, I had my gallbladder removed, and I don't miss it one little bit. Uh, But when I lost my sight eight years ago, I do miss that. And you know, and it's influenced my life in a myriad of ways. Uh, so when you think of you know the, the body, the physical body is the physical body, and the soul is the soul. Um, I'm not a rabbi. I can't speak exactly to this, but I consider that um, when my biological body ceases to to live my soul isn't really going to care whether it can see or not because souls don't have eyeballs does that make sense
3: it does and we actually discussed this uh a couple weeks ago earl because we we had a story of cheryl and i went to uh the funeral of of a friend of ours who was blind and in the course of the service, her minister got up and said something to the effect of, well, we're so glad that Rosie is in heaven because she'll be able to see again. So we had a whole discussion on that. So, yeah.
9: Yes. Yeah. And, and I heard that. I, I listened to last week's recording. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't remember the whole thing. It was two hours long, but yeah. <laughs> I, I, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, and again, heaven doesn't really relate to Judaism in the same way but the idea is that at least by my own uh, visual you know understanding of it, once you're in the next world, whatever you call it, um, vision really isn't an issue because you you become non-corporeal does that make sense? Yes. yes yeah
3: yes you you, you have a, okay you have a spiritual and and i i think i mean i, th- I my understanding is that jew uh, judaism and lynn said this to me last week judaism doesn't really discuss doesn't really have a doctrine of heaven and hell uh that it's right. more important what you do here on earth um so the afterlife isn't a focus in judaism right. as it is in christianity so
9: is, is DJ. No, I, and and I I agree with
3: that hundred percent. Okay. Uh yeah. Let me see. I think he's back. Uh, Who's that? Who? There
10: yes. he is, DJ. DJ. Yeah, he's here. he's DJ always been here. here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you yes. have any comments? So yeah, um, this passage of scripture uh, grows near and dear to me because it essentially uh, talks about. Any and everything that we can know about the physical body. This is, as Michael uh, so eloquently interpreted, is a metaphor, yet it is an example. Paul is using the physical body as an example of the way we, as the body of Christ, should be. As a matter of fact, it is an example as it is an example of the way we as a people should be. When I see this passage of scripture, it makes me think of a CB community. A couple of words or a couple of phrases I want us to look at. There's the word community. When you really break it all down, we all, we all, each and every one of us here, when we arrive at a certain place or in a certain demographic place, if you will, we, quote, come in unity, thus making us a community. Then there are there, there's one word that to me, when you break it up, when you break up its syllables, it speaks large. It's the word atone. When you break it up into syllables and you split the word between the T and the O, you have at one. So when Paul speaks of oneness, speaking of the whole body, and the body, as he says in one part, he says, If the foot says that to the, the, if the head says to the foot, I don't need you because I ain't no foot. I don't need you. What I need you for? I'm not a foot. What what, what does that do? Or if the ear says to the eye, I don't need you. What does that do? Well, in essence, when it all comes down to it, do you want to know why the head needs the foot? Or the Ear needs the eye. The head needs the foot to to do what the foot is called to do. So foot, says the head, be what you are, the foot, so we can walk. The ear needs the eye because the ear is saying eyes, be the eyes so that you can see. And what it does is it enhances that body. And it also causes us to be accountable to one another. Like for instance, on my job, my cook expects me when I take an order for Pizza Hut, My cook expects me to take the order in the correct manner that the customer wants it so that once I send it over to the cook, they are making that pizza to the specifics as is given unto me. I, in turn, expect that cook to make that pizza the way it is. Describe or prescribed on the screen. Henceforth, we are actually holding each other accountable to each other. Henceforth, we all need one another no matter how great, no matter how small one thinks it is or what one part thinks it is, we all need one another without the need. What's the point?
7: So, See, I love so that. Here's... and I,
1: I wonder if like if I can just ask a question, DJ, of you and maybe also Michael, but I, I guess everybody. So, you know, St. Paul in the Corinthian correspondence, he's writing to the church at Corinth and, the, and and those folks there that 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 beloved church body had a lot of troubles. And they had a lot of <laughs> oh, people who really th- they thought they had a lot, you know, there are a lot of people who really thought they were something there. Mm-hmm. And uh and so part of this thing is all about trying to remind people, hey, you know, involve everybody. I, I would right. love to get you all to react to, you know, how how do those of us who uh maybe our feet or hands are a peculiar part of the body who might think we're a little bit higher than we should be, what what what's what's that process of discernment? How do we do that to figure out who who we are and what role we're supposed to play? and it's not so much you know know your place but how how do we fulfill that role as you say dj that we're called to to do what's that process about
10: paul again gives another metaphor in the book of romans chapter 12 where he talks about different administrations of gifts different mm-hmm. uh, different different ministries, there's the ministry of giving, there's the ministry of, of serving, there's the ministry ministry of exhortation, there's, there's this, there's that, there's the other. He speaks on that wise to let us know that, as Michael said earlier, we are all gifted. Now, I yeah. find it kind of ironic that when you look at First Corinthians, chapters 12, 13, and 14, When you glump them all up together, 12 speaks about the body. 14 speaks about the various gifts and all of that. And then in the middle, there is 13 and it speaks about love. Mm. Love is the central piece. Love is the core matter that, brings it all and knits it all together. So when we think about where our place is, where our niche is, where do we belong? Where do we fit in? Where do we get in to fit in? Well, that, I believe, is predicated on where Holy Spirit has you placed and when you're connecting with Him through Jesus Christ, your connection with Him expresses, "Okay, this may be where I belong." Mm. This talent that i have this gift that i have to sing maybe i'm meant to sing and exhort the lord or maybe i'm meant to be a giver a cheerful giver or you know into whether it's into a ministry whether it's into a charity whether it's into an organization such as acb Mm. you know you you find that place in 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 where you years ago when i was Uh, installed as an officer in an organization that I belonged to in Pennsylvania. The bishop preached a message and he entitled it, Stay in Your Lane. And I visualized in my physical blindness or within my physical blindness because I used to drive when I was sighted. I visualized myself driving down the highway. I'm in a certain lane. But in order for me to get over, to let others know that I want to get over, I have to turn on my signal. But if I don't turn on my signal, I have to stay in my lane. So can
2: I, I so I want us to think about, and I'd love um, to open this up to everybody on the panel. Um, so obviously there are these sort of ideas and principles and um, that, and I think, you know, sort of frameworks that were shared, right? So mm-hmm. my question, and I'm going to ask maybe Lorna to answer and Earl, Michael, um, Kathy, um, sort, of, sort of irrespective of your faith tradition, how is your church or temple or wherever you worship, how do you think th- those places are living out this concept that we've talked about? What's what's the day-to-day?
6: Mm, this is Lorna. Um, I would say that although within the church, the teachings are there that call for there to be Inclusivity and belonging of persons with disability. If you look at the church documents, um, the U.S. bishops' documents are actually um, rewriting one of the documents in regards to persons with disabilities. They actually approved that um, this past June, and hopefully, we'll see the new document this coming um, in 2024. Um, the The teaching is there, however. I would say, sadly, we don't always see it being lived out as it should be in many parishes. And it is because of people's discomfort. You know, sadly, we're human. Um, And there are people who will say, okay, um, we know that we need a ramp, but we can't afford it. So we're sorry. And, you know, even, for example, you'll hear Families who want their children to re- receive religious instruction, and there are barriers to that. Um, and you have recourse, you can go to the National Catholic Partnership on Disability or go to your particular diocese and seek assistance there. And, you know, some families do that, but sadly, sometimes what will happen is when a family is told, sorry, we can't help you or we cannot give your child um, religious instruction, that family leaves. Um, Sometimes they go to another Mm -hmm. church and sometimes they don't go anywhere, which I think is a a very sad thing. And we really should be paying more attention to that. Earl, what about, I know, you
2: know, As you said, Judaism doesn't have this sort of concept, but it does, I would think, have a concept of, you know, being able to be part of your temple. So what does that look like for somebody who has a disability and who is is perhaps visually impaired or blind?
9: Well, I can tell a story. Um, I'll keep it short. Uh, When I was 13... I was bar mitzvah. that's what Jewish boys do at 13, um, and I remember very well the synagogue I was bar mitzvahed in, and I was cited at the time. Um, if I wasn't cited, I would have had a hard time reading the Torah, um, But the, um, and I'll get back to that in a second, but I don't know that I would have been able to. To uh, participate, because the sanctuary was on the second floor and there was no elevator, and um, plus it was up a few steps onto the pla- onto the platform where the what we call the bima, where the altar is and uh, where the Torah is. So, I was when I was reading the book, uh, which was referenced here the. Um, my body is not an invitation. Uh, I was—I didn't know that the uh, at the ADA didn't apply to uh, to places of worship. I and I think that was a real problem, and it should be um, problem. You know, in general, the ADA has been crammed down the throats of people who have built commercial buildings and today you go into a commercial building and there's always accessibility ramps, elevators um, lever handle locks and all sorts of things I think that while a Jewish congregation and I'm wrapping it up here (laughs) because I could go on for a long time um, the um, inclusion is is very good it they include people who have you know any problem any kind of problems but again if you can't get in because okay. because the, the building doesn't accommodate it that's a real problem and and I think uh, all places of worship should be accessible to everybody that's it
2: Michael, I answer
9: the questions. Did,
2: the questions. You did, you did, Michael. What about what about you? Yeah, I think that you know
4: we have to be realistic about uh, people, even with their best intentions. They're still people, and they still have their biases about people with disabilities. <laughs> And it's funny, it, it's funny at, at, at my church, you know, I used to live just a couple of blocks from the church and I would, walk, we could walk to church and, and it, you get there and it's, it's almost as though, oh, many years as you've been coming to the church, you still need help to get from one place to the other. Or there's certain things that they just feel like you can't do or, or, or oh, We'll, we'll we'll move this. We'll we'll move that table. We'll move these chairs. You, you don't have to help. You all those all those things the things that people do or the way they treat you as a person with a disability. And I think as a as I as I told Tim the other day when we did the recording, I said I said you know, but I adopted the motto many many years ago. Just get in the way. I'm gonna always. I'm gonna always be uh, in a position where I can utilize my spiritual gifts. I'm going to always try to be uh, a part of a ministry where I can use my spiritual gifts. Whether they whether they grasp them or whether they appreciate them or not, I'm not there to do it for the people so so much as to do it as 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 DJ said, as to do it in representation in
9: representation
2: Mark, DJ, Kathy I'll
10: let Kathy go first
5: yeah me too. oh dear <laughs> um, well I did um, actually get to visit one Hindu temple that is kind of pretty far from my house so I don't get to go all the time but one thing that I noticed two things that I noticed that, uh, I believe Nancy came with me, yeah she did and, um, I did notice that like people actually helped us find seats, you know, and told us, you know, okay, you need to take your shoes off before you come mm-hmm. in and 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 can sit here and then and she talked to us and explained things to us, and then, when it came time near the end, um they were doing this thing where everyone kind of lined up and took a turn pouring water over the offering water basically to the statue um, of the God that they worship there. And when it came my turn, mine and Nancy's turn, the uh, Swami was very kind and helpful and just took like my hand and put the water in my hand and then actually guided me and told me what to say to do this. And it was like, they were, they were very supportive and, um really um awesome to to be with and to work with unfortunately um i used to be a practicing christian and there were so many of the churches that i tried to go to and fit in with and it was oh hi we, you know you didn't come last week we missed you and where was um and i think nancy said that at one church that she went to they said something about oh, we, you didn't come last week. We missed you. And and she kind of felt like, oh, you missed my piano playing. But you didn't really miss me. So for wow. me, it was a totally different experience from what I had experienced before. So I hope that answers the question. Thanks.
2: So DJ or Mark, who wants to go?
10: Go on, Brother Doug. Go ahead. OK. Um, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Okay, there we go. So um, again, I'm, I'm associating words inclusiveness, you know, and and one thing that I do see even in the passage that uh, was uh, highlighted here, First Corinthians chapter twelve, um, just like I believe it was. Uh, uh, Earl, who who said it, you know, when you're looking at the Corinthians church, these got these people were just all over the place. They had no stability. They had no no rhyme or reason, and all of this. So Paul has this awesome task before him, and, and we come to this area of this particular book and it, it rings out that one word, inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. So it, it it it's it's saying that, that the body is one part uh, is one that has many members, and and what I like about the many members is each of them don't perform the same part. You know that's what I like about it. In other words, for me, we are all the same. And since that we're all human, we all have two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two ears, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all inhale and exhale. And to that point, we are the same. And yet, we're different. And to me, I thank God for the difference because if we were just all the same and it was just that way, we would get sick and tired of seeing each other coming and going. So thank God for the difference. And yet with that difference, we need to do a better job of quote unquote inclusiveness. And actually Michael said the same thing that I literally said, because at one time, and, and I can go here with what with, with Kathy was mentioning earlier. At one time in the church, and uh, this was before I was called into the ministry, um, I felt like, wow, I'm only here. If, if I'm here playing the piano or entertaining you or whatever, But uh, if I ain't here, then that's when you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, yes, oh. Okay, I, I was, yeah. C- continue, continue. Oh, okay. So, um, when it comes down to it, that word inclusiveness, it all boils down to, for me, I'm not. I'm just speaking for me personally. Mm-hmm. It all boils down to each and every one, no matter what your degree of gifts, or no matter what your degree may be, or no matter what your position may be. We're all the same in each and every one of us matters. That's for me. Now, as far as the church is concerned, we need to do a better part. That's why I always said that the church and even the world, and its shortcomings, they could look at ACB community and could take a real big lesson yeah. just watching ACB community day to day. That's it.
2: Okay. Thanks. Mark, what are are your thoughts or experiences?
1: Well, so, I mean, to concretize this, I think part of your question was, you know, let's be practical about your sense of involvement or what you've seen uh, in uh, various faith traditions. So, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act was uh, signed into law in 1990 by President George H.W. And uh, his attorney general was Richard Thornburg, and he was very much uh, you know, integral in helping move that process forward. And frankly, the entire, you know, Bush one presidency, uh, just such so dedicated to the cause. And there, it wasn't politics. It wasn't nonsense. It wasn't, they weren't doing it for effect or sympathy. sympathy. They were all in a hundred percent. And we can be so grateful to them. Richard Thornburg's wife, Ginny Thornburg, I knew her not very well, but well enough. She, in working for one of the disability organizations a while back, the American Association of People with Disabilities, Hmm. uh, particularly in the late 1990s, she started a campaign, and I don't remember the precise name now because I'm middle-aged and I don't remember uh, things as well as I used to, but it was something like Faith 2000 or Congregation 2000, and the point of the campaign was to try to work precisely as was noted earlier, since the ADA didn't have any kind of a requirement on, as many federal laws don't, uh, because that's how we do things in America. Uh, keep our hands off the, re- off the off the congregations, which is largely a very good thing. Uh, you know, since the ADA didn't apply, let's find a way to reach out to congregations of whichever faith tradition across the country to make sure that people with disabilities are included. And <clears throat> the reason why I ended up working with her, uh, and I'm not bragging here because quite frankly, I didn't accomplish much, uh, But part of the reason why I got to know her was because that entire campaign was focused on exactly what Earl was talking about, the physical accessibility of of church houses, synagogues, mosques, etc. There was very little emphasis in that campaign at all on inclusion or, as I like to think about it, the acceptance of people with disabilities playing full and equal and robust roles in those congregations. It was very much you know let's get the bathrooms wide enough and i look amen to making the physical spaces accessible okay but there was very little effort placed on all of that and i would say you know fast forwarding now to 2023 have things been improving and evolving you betcha on the other hand they're nowhere near where they should be and i do think you know it is incumbent upon those of us who want to play roles in those congregations those settings to do what we can. I like Michael, your thing about yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get in the way, uh, you know, be is making good trouble, sounds good to me. Uh and and finding a way to to uh you know not in an obnoxious way, but for sure in a in a firm but following the cr- Christian tradition, right? Being prepared to be the servant of all while standing your ground, uh, which is really what I think is sort of at the core of what I believe to be the historic, you know, Christian message, which is you may be heading for your care and your cross. You might be living a life of sacrifice, uh, but you are standing on principle and you uh, hold fast to what is true. And I think if we do that um, in, you know, being salt and light wherever we can be, I think those congregational settings will evolve. I do have I'm not going to go through it now, but my own personal experience with this in a congregation in Silver Spring, Maryland, a while ago, was exactly along these lines. Where when I showed up there initially, being the one lone blind guy in a fairly large metropolitan congregation, you know, I was sort of the object to to, to play off of our book, all right, that we're talking about uh, here, My Body's Not a Prayer Request, you know, being the object of not so much pity, they were more sophisticated than that. But the object of, oh, we've got someone in our midst who should be the focus of our charity and our uh, sympathy and our uh, ministry, as opposed to saying, no, Mark is going to minister to us or we are going to administer to each other even better. So I, I, and those are just some of my reflections. I think things are, you know, Im- improving. They improve more slowly than any of us want. But I do think it, it's an intentional act. And who better? Than those of us who can, in our own bodies, as it were, incarnate this message of uh, we can do it too. I just I, I think there's a there's a responsibility that we have, uh, whether we want it or not, to t- carry that message.
9: You know, it, uh, this is Earl. I, I've got uh, a quick piece on that. A- and while the buildings can be inclusive, I might add that. An elevator to add an elevator to a building can run into six figures. How many ministries have that kind of money?
7: Well, that's right.
9: Just sitting Mm -hmm. around.
2: Yeah. True. Mm So I wanna Tim, do you wanna tell the story of our friend in Canada whose daughter had Oh
3: yeah, yeah. So we had a friend, yeah. Um we had a friend in Canada who Mm -hmm. is Jewish and whose daughter is um bl- has multiple disabilities she's uh blind and she's also on the uh, autism spectrum and um it was time for her uh bat, bat mitzvah i get bat right. mitzvah right and they first of all what they did which was kind of cool for all the people that couldn't come they they it was on uh facebook or youtube or something so that we could all watch it zoom zoom yeah it was on zoom but they had she had worked um with somebody to learn the prayers and learn all the stuff that she had to say and it was we cheryl and i watched it and we'd never been to a, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah before but it was just um very cool and you know how much they worked and how much she was obviously included and really could fully participate. And it was just, it was kind of an awesome thing to witness. Um, so, and it's interesting what you said before, Mark, because about, you know, working on making the churches physically accessible as opposed to spiritually accessible. And I just keep thinking about, you know, um, the distinction between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it sounds like that the, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, part of the narrative narrative here too, is what I understand is that not only did the ADA not include religious institutions, but religious institutions forcefully lobbied against being included in the ADA. So it was as
1: they, as they do it with everything. I mean, they didn't <laughs> single out this disability advocacy. They're, they're, Again, I mean, I have I have such mixed feelings about that, right? Because we do not want, if if the government in place is the government you don't want, then for sure you don't want the government messing with the with the with religious institutions. So, I mean, we do want to be fiercely protective of that wall of separation, as it were. Uh, but like anything else, that too can be exaggerated. Uh, but so, but I don't want to leave an impression that as if the religious community said. You know, count us out, and we're going to oppose what you're doing unless you absolutely make sure that we're not covered. They, that's that's very much sort of a standard posture we assume in just about any kind of exercise like this, you know, rightly or wrong.
9: Yeah, and, and that has to to do with the grandfather laws. In other words, if you build a new church today, you'll build it to today's codes, which include Title 24. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I reiterate that. Bringing an older building up to up to today's codes could collapse an entire ministry, and that's and that's the legitimate part of that. Where you don't want to collapse small ministries who can't afford to upgrade their building.
1: Well, the other thing I'd say about this business of physical accessibility, and I think we've seen this in ACB now stepping much much more broadly. Uh, Cheryl and Tim. Uh, beyond including but beyond this conversation today. I mean let's face it. I mean physical accessibility is 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 something that is frankly relative in spite of the cost you're talking about Earl is relatively easy to do and the, and the thing that makes it easy isn't so much the cost, it's the fact that you get out a ruler. you want to find out how you get into a bathroom. let's make sure you have a turning radius and you know what the geometry is. if you want to talk about a slope, it's a two inches over one inch ramp. I mean, these are very concrete, literally, pardon the pun, or not, don't pardon it at all, uh, things that can be done. It is so much harder to deal with attitudes and acceptance. I mean, that that is something which makes advocacy for stuff we care about in our community so much more difficult. Even when you start talking about Website accessibility, yes, there are technical standards that you can adhere to to make a website more accessible or a mobile apps or whatever. But we also have functional requirements too, where we say, just because the code says X, Y, and Z, and just because you meet that code, isn't a, a guarantee that you'll actually be able to make that thing usable. So the things that we demand from our community of everyone, the religious world or having nothing to do with it are more complicated, require more thought. I I think they require a dedication of the heart. That's that. That's true. But in terms of the actual achievement of it, it it is difficult. And I think in the religious context, it's especially true because, you know, you've got institutions that are largely, uh, I think, again, for very good reasons, but based on tradition, I mean, just about every religious tradition I know, it looks – I mean, the word religion means relinking or linking back, right? It's all about reconnecting with how things were and, and and while looking to how things should be. And so you've got traditions that say, well, we've always done it this way, and there's a good reason for it because God told us to do it that way. And, and, and I think that kind of, per, you know, persistence – in in committing to how we have done it and what our parents and grandparents and on and on told us to do, I, you know, those things are very. Th- there are there are there's collateral damage to that that some of us face in terms of the attitudes, and that's a really difficult thing to penetrate, uh, and, and 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 turn around.
7: Excuse me, it is one
8: fifty six.
1: Okay. Okay.
3: Sure.
2: Awesome. Okay. Do we awesome. Do we wanna take some hands, Tim, and then yes. maybe just jump to the last thing?
3: Yeah, if we have any hand, do we have any hands, Lucy?
2: Well, um yes, okay. So why don't <laughs> we commit to taking like five and we're gonna ask we're not gonna time you, but we're gonna ask people to sort of keep your comments a little short. All right, Jane.
7: Okay, I'm very glad to be here. I've been chomping at the bit, so to speak. And thanks for always reminding us to keep muted. Uh, I want to go back to inclusivity as a as a born-again believer who's trucked around a lot of different faith experiences and community in my days. And what I've come to is that before... Others can help us. We have to help ourselves by understanding. And DJ, you mentioned it. Mark, I really appreciated you saying go after it. Such a great army term. Go after it. (laughs) Get it. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But we have to open up conversations. We boldly have to open up those conversations. I come into your church. You say... Oh, honey, come sit over here. I go, nope, I'm going to stand here by the door and listen. Then I'm going to pick my spot and figure it out. And as a totally blind person, I've had to become strongly assertive about that. The other thing I recognize about inclusivity, and we've talked about all of the members of our own personal bodies being important. They are and the degree to which we individually pay attention to all them, their body parts and emotive selves and mental capacities is the degree to which we can provide others with a more holistic inclusion picture of who we are. And I think we need to help each other as folks with disabilities to assess the fact that any disability we have is a fact of life for us, Mm -hmm. it's on our plate. And how do we distinguish among the disability or disabilities on our plate and all of the cultural impacts? And I really appreciated what you said about attitudes. That's always where I want to begin any discussion, because in today's world, as you said, most often physical access is is easy to recognize what you have to do. Um, I am very thankful that I have been in at least one community that was so truly exemplary about inclusion in spirit. If I went to that pastor and said, I really want to start an after-hours singing time for folks to remember songs they sang as grand, you know, as children, blah, blah, blah. He said, do it. I'll back you up. We'll put it in the bulletin and there you go. And that's, that's what we need to do is use all of the perceptivity and information of all of our individual body parts and systems and spirit and mind and all that to to reach out and be open. So we exempt. So, we are examples of inclusivity. And that's all I want to say. I really have appreciated your conversation. And that book is a really great one, by the way. Sure just is. Yeah. Fabulous. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Thanks. All
2: right. Thanks, Jay.
7: Who's all right. Next? Peter Heidi.
11: Peter. Hi. Um, I would just like to say on the issue of uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. That there's a good reason why we continue to use the DEI. Um, One, and and uh, it's an important issue, I think, for Judaism, for Christianity, for Islam, and uh, even even within the Hindu community. That um, uh, at least as um, I have experienced with leaders in all of those denominations or faith traditions. that the DEI and the the uh, concept of Imago Dei. It's I M A G O D E I. It's Latin for the likeness of God. Where we see the likeness of God in the world, and that um, and how we experience the likeness or the image of God in our midst, and that um, that uh, it's been about uh, ten years now that the church has. Um, begun to talk about the Imago Day as including uh, the diversity of the world and uh, the diversity of people and experiences and traditions, and uh, and that's that DEI. I and that uh, and so when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not just a political piece. Much like Paul used. Uh, the body of Christ, he took that as a political campaign piece from the Corinthian community and repurposed it. Um, The church is beginning to take this this, uh, concept of Imago Dei and, um, and, and using it in the way that we experience God with diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's what I've got. Thanks.
2: Thanks, Peter.
8: All right, Carla um very good discussion and i hope the um part one is available somewhere because i was tied up with church things and i couldn't do it that
6: way we'll
1: excuse you for that since that's what you were doing you're excused that's all good
8: very active in my church just a couple of quick things i want to bring up first of all with the first corinthians 12 is one of my favorite passages one thing that's not brought out is um and, and I'm trying to um, bring this up to even people in my own congregation. Of course, the, the body is the holy temple of God. And we're supposed to glorify God within our bodies, just like the church is supposed to glorify God. So one thing that's not um, really brought up is if one member doesn't do its job, then it falls on another member. It's like our, since our eyes can't work, our ears and our hands have mm-hmm. to pick up the slack thank you and the thing is um and it makes a great a um, metaphor to explain disabilities to people too but the thing is you know how in a church the same few people do do things and um i Two things. I, I've served. Our, our presbytery has a committee on representation, and w- what we do is we, you know, we we um, discuss and dialogue and try to resolve, um, you know, access issues to the church. But we can do that till we're blue in the face for the churches in our presbytery. But the congregation has to let us chip in, and I'll give you a quick example, and then I'll shut up. Uh, my, um, we were doing communion this morning, and the woman that drove me to church. She said, I have to go over early because I'm liturgist, I'm in the choir. And i have to set up for communion and when we were over there i said kathy could i help you oh no i've got this and she was doing things that i could have cut her work in half by 10 minutes i could have filled the communion trays with cups you know put the cups in and she could have put the you know the the grape juice in i could have put the bread on the trays you know while she was doing some of the other things we've done it before and i don't understand and and yet, um, you know, it's the same people do the same things, and you know, we are parts of that body. And I don't understand. No matter how hard we advocate, no advocate. No matter how long that I've been in that church, I mean, they know that I can, I can do these things. And in fact, I stepped in at a moment's notice, um, our organist got COVID and they were, they were well, we'll do it all cappella. I said, do you need somebody to do the music? And I just got up and I did the music. And We practiced and, we did, and And they were grateful. But why, I mean, what does it take to prove for those of us that have disabilities that, you know, and that's what that's what my question is. And so I just wanted to bring that up.
6: It's continuously advocating um, for ourselves and for one another. Um, it's a continuing conversation because it's true. You have the gifts, you have the capacity, but sadly a person's point of view of what your capacity is can keep you from actually being able to serve. Um, And you kind of have to keep saying, look, I can help. Like you did. You got up and said, I can help with the music. Keep doing that. Keep showing up and keep doing it. And some days it's hard and some days it's harder. But we have to keep advocating and educating our brothers and sisters.
8: Okay, hey, that <clears throat> excuse me, that's all your hands right now. All right,
4: thank you. That, that, Cheryl, that that's what I was saying earlier about my motto is just get in the way. You know, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna do what I can do uh, because you know, I, because I'm capable. A matter about the disability. If if a job needs to be done and I can do it, I'm going to be there to do
1: it. We shall not be moved.
2: Well, I I would also think. I mean, it it sounds like it it soothes our soul, right? Because I mean, knowing that you're capable and you can contribute, and that people are sort of standing in the way, um, I think you know it hurts. Right? Cause it does. you're you're there and you want to give and you know that you can and suddenly you're in this place where people aren't able to see you so you know I think both Lorna you and Michael and you you're correct you just sometimes you just got to keep asking and you know show when you can and do um, but you just got to keep doing it rather than I think you know. Um, I know for myself. Sometimes it just it just becomes sort of too much,
6: <laughs> and it becomes <laughs> exhausting. And it becomes exhausting, Cheryl. Yeah. I you know I I do this a lot um, for what I do, and I find sometimes it is tiresome. But part of me is saying I feel that as someone who loves Christ and I want to serve, um, you know. Faith without works is dead, and I I want to serve. And if I'm, I feel like someone's getting in my way. Um, you know, with prayer and discernment, I I have to even when I'm tired to continue to push forward, um, because I feel that perhaps that person isn't seeing me, um, and I am I too am made in the image and likeness of God. And I want them to understand that God didn't make junk. God didn't make me lesser because Mm -hmm. of my disability. And I feel that even, you know, like we look at St. Paul, um, he too had a disability and he prayed for God to take away the thorn in his side. And And God saw fit to use him even with his that weakness right. was made mm-hmm. to be his testimony mm-hmm. and so i look at it as what i am able to do through the grace of god please god may it be done for the greater glory of god Um even as a blind woman i can show up and be and do
8: okay peter has his hand up did you want to take that or yeah
6: yeah go ahead peter
8: all right peter you're muted
7: Story. Peter.
11: Yeah, there you go. Um, I, I think that's the, the piece that we need to really appreciate that when in Genesis, when it says, um, God, God said, let us create humankind in our image, um, that God did not limit that image to only the able bodied people. That all of creation is, all of, all of humanity is created in God's image. And so there is, there is an aspect of God then that I believe is blind. There's an aspect of God that's deaf, that's white, that's black, that's, um, you know, that, that all of us together uh, represent uh, the image of God because we're created in God's image. And until we are able to embrace that as a church, as a um, as a community, as a society, um, that that the whole issue of disability relationships with able-bodied people is always going to be impaired. But that, um, and so we have to get past the sort of the purity codes of of um, and the the. Um, uh, Meta narrative of disability being demon possessed, um, and and be able to lift this story, uh, the narrative that we have um, in in all three of the Abrahamic religions, that we are created in the image of God, and as such, um, God looks like
3: us. Thanks. That's a perfect segue. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. So. <laughs> um yeah we're gonna we're gonna now deal with the, probably the one of the most controversial parts of the book and i'm i i'm sure I've been looking be,
0: forward to this I've been i'm sure forward. there'll be, be some i'm hopefully
3: there'll be, be some fun. healthy Absolutely. uh discussion and disagreement i'm sure there will be um so we're going to start this by um listening to John chapter twenty, beginning with verse twenty-five. Aha! Yes. Hmm.
0: Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas called Didymus one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, "My." lord and my God then Jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed
3: okay sorry about the <clears throat> that was the slowing down of the beep tones that you heard there at the end of that um that was for but just dramatic purpose that worked yeah. actually pretty well my friend <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like so he was doing uh, the timpani, that was pretty. Thanks, thanks to yes. Chills there, man. Well, this is—I uh, forget who whether that was Bob Askey or who, Merwin Smith. Who that was? Who that reader was? But famous, <laughs> famous. It
8: wasn't Bob Askey. <laughs> <Yeah>. No,
3: famous. <laughs> uh, but anyway, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, this this um, brings us to probably the most controversial part of the of of the book, which is where the author argues here that because. Uh, Jesus, when he was resurrected, still had the wounds in his side, Um, that basically uh, we are worshiping a disabled God. And um, I want to put this in context. And Lorna, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here, but that's okay. We're all friends. Um, Could you put... um, disability theology in the context of liberation theology in general? Because I'm sure everybody here is not familiar with liberation, th- theologies of liberation.
6: Okay, theologies of liberation really um, came out of the 1960s. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to, to, to give you the short form. But essentially, it is a way of looking at um, the teachings of Jesus as a way of liberating us from let's say for example in Central and South America liberating us from injustice um, within the context of the United States African Americans liberating us from the in- racial injustice um, women's theology liberating us from um, the injustice of women not being e- seen as equal to uh, as seen, being seen as less than. Um, and so um, when we look at the theology of, dis- theology of disability, which I believe started in the late 1970s, early 1980s, it was a way to look at uh, disability as not being something that is um, uh, a negative, but something that is a positive that God used disability as a way to glorify him. For example, looking at as far as Jacob, as far as Moses, um, these were people who had particular disabilities and yet were used of God um, and their disabilities were, were used as a way of showing that um like for example in Jacob's um, sense, that he had wrestled with God's messenger and yet had prevailed um so that that's the short form anyway um i
3: hope that answers part of that question oh that's question. that's good that's good um i'm going to I'm love with... to
1: jump in here because I, Go I, ahead, Mark. I, I i've been sitting on the edge of my seat <laughs> waiting to i mean <clears throat> I think the, the liberation theology angle is an interesting twist. I think mm-hmm. you don't even have to, you, you you can really go back even to the foundations of the, of, of, of the Christian faith and see in passages, even in something as exotic and controversial as the book of Revelation and the image of Christ there being the lamb of God, who is seen having a wound from which that lamb is healed and the 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 hymn of praise sung to the Lamb is you know beholding the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. And this notion that somehow the the crucifixion, the sacrifice, we accept the teachings of the distort Christian faith, it's God who hangs on that cross, and it's God who dies, and it's God who's wounded. And this has been from all eternity to all eternity. And somehow in that Deep mystery, what you have in a passage like John chapter twenty, is Christ, right? To to play all of that out, Christ ascends to heaven with those wounds in his hands, and his feet, and in his side. And if we look for, as some of us might, through the eyes of faith, that we may indeed see our Lord one day face to face, I fully expect that we'll see those wounds there. Whether any of that that I just said is true or just pure fantasy on my part. I mean, I think it speaks to something that the Christian church generally and, uh, and for sure here in 21st century America is definitely something that some of our friends uh, in the Christian faith, uh, frankly, suffer from. And that is this notion of triumphalism, that somehow the glory of God is about the God who destroys his enemies and that we who follow Christ are the ones who have to take over and rule and that we will one day rule with him i believe that may be true but the christian faith teaches that that ruler is the servant of all and and exactly. uh and it's the same idea and and dr king talks about this in one of his more famous sermons about how james and john go to christ you know we want to or the, their mother does always get gotta love the moms yeah, to promote their sons and that you know we i want my sons to sit at your right hand and your left and he's you don't know what you're asking. Because the answer is, you want to know who's standing on Christ's right hand and left hand? It's the two thieves on either side of the cross. You, you, want, you want to stand in glory with Christ? Let me tell you where you're heading and how you're going to get there. And I, I think that whole message, when you start to recognize that from a certain point of view, God always has been, always shall be the God that not destroys his enemies, but dies, suffers and dies for God's enemies and thereby saves his enemies, calling them friends. I mean, that, that is a just a profound message. And that message then carried out by the people who dare to follow him, say that they follow him, is about sacrificing yourself out of love for other people. And I may I don't want to pull rank just because I have a disability, but I will say that I think that people with disabilities have a unique role a, a a uniquely glorious role to play in bearing i don't even want to call that a cross it's a calling and you say by living that out we are reflecting in that sense i mean lauren when you're talking about you know i, I want to be able to do these things and let or carla talking i want to do these things let me do it i mean to stand up and be willing to be that person who gives of them themselves and may even bear a little bit of what most other able-bodied folks might see as shame or some limitation. I mean, that that is a unique ministry to which I think we can uh, all aspire and hopefully contribute something meaningfully and more corporately, nationally, socially. I mean, I think by taking that approach, we we get away from this business of how we, who are people of faith are gonna tell you how to live, and what you ought to do, and bow down to those of us who are in control, you know what? That ain't the Christian message. And I don't really necessarily believe that that's the message of any of the faith traditions at all.
3: This is DJ. DJ, go ahead.
10: Okay, so for one to say that uh, we serve a disabled God, um, first of all, to me, God um, is not a disabled God because in every way he's perfect. Notwithstanding the wounds that were borne by Christ Jesus while on the cross, uh, those wounds that he bore were for the non believer such as the doubter in Thomas, who was kind of skeptical of whether Jesus really actually went through this punishment. So he you know, it it, it was it, it's the old metaphor that is used for the and I'll use this in quotes, the perfect world normally sighted or normal quote unquote people Uh, if seeing is believing well sometimes seeing ain't necessarily believing because I can see things sometimes don't have to believe it yet by not seeing because we walk by faith and not by sight there's where my belief is yet God in all not just some, not just most but in all of his deity is perfect in every way to make the disclaimer that he is disabled tells me that he is not able and the god that i serve is very able and capable but again when I, I i go back to the disabilities or whatever And like Carla said, I'm going through that same thing on my job where after 20 years of being a customer service rep, taking orders over the phone via JAWS, because the consensus of the world that is quote unquote normal figures, we're going to change the software, not even giving respect to or even thinking that we're taking something away from someone who used to do something now he's not able to do it anymore so now the ball is in my court to advocate for me that hey you took my job away from me and i believe this causes something to be brought up especially under title one of the ada which shows forth discrimination towards persons with disability, of which I happen to be. But no matter what, Carla, and to all who are here, Michael, and everyone who is here within the sound of my voice, no matter what your ability is, whether it's disability or capability, the best ability is availability. And that is what pleases our god who is most capable and able not even withstanding, or he is not a disabled god but very able michael so
4: so so that so, that that question that whole i as i mentioned to you earlier tim <clears throat> i think sometimes we get so caught up in our writing and our theological inferences that sometimes we become quasi-theologians. You know, Some authors take on that. Mm-hmm. And that sounds good, you know, serve a disabled God to, to make that recognition. But but I, I agree wholeheartedly with D.J. in that I don't believe uh, God is disabled. I don't believe the symbolism of, well, not symbolism, but I believe the, the 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 bruises and the wounds that Jesus suffered shows that it has a broader meaning. It has a broader spiritual meaning for all of us in that you uh, need, uh, uh, in the First Peter and other inferences, other other passages where it talks about if Jesus suffered, then we must suffer and if with him, it it's a, it has spiritual relevance. And then and then let's just look at it from the standpoint that is a wound disability. Does a wound keep you from uh, using a a one of your five senses or is it debilitating to the point that you can't do anything <clears throat> so Jesus's wounds did not stop him from doing anything that he already did Thank you. So I don't consider that that God is disabled God has never stopped being God never stopped Doing what God does, if he if he did, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. if he did, he wouldn't be God. If God, if if we could put limitations on God, he wouldn't be God. I'm glad the Bible says he never slumbers
6: nor sleeps. Can I add a little nuance to what the both of you gentlemen have just put forward? And thank you for those. That very beautifully put. Um, one of the prayer practices that I have sometimes is when I'm going through a really difficult time, is I'll pray, and I have sitting here at my desk uh, this cross with the corpus, the body, the the, the body. The Catholic crosses um, have the body, the corpus of Christ on it, and I like to pray with the cross in my hands, and it's a reminder to me that Christ on the cross knows my suffering. He has suffered for me, and he understands the suffering I'm going through today. So when I think about cross, the risen Christ, who bears the wounds of the nails, who bears the wounds of the the sword piercing his side, it doesn't negate or take away from being the Son of God, being Christ, who, t- who took away the sins of the world, uh, it, it just shows us that he did not see it. He humbled himself in order to save us as human beings. I don't see it as something that takes away from who God is. But it just shows us and in, in, in his carna- his incarnation, he became vulnerable like us. And so he understands us in, in 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 such a way that he's never far from us in our journey. I love that.
1: I, I love that so much. Like in my it. devotions not that long ago, I was reading the story of the passion, and I, I never, I don't know how I never noticed this before. But albeit temporarily, Christ experienced blindness. Yes. They blindfolded him and they sm- smote him in the face and said, prophesy, who, who hit you that time? Now, mm-hmm. we all know that just being blindfolded, that doesn't mean nothing. I, I'm not even sort of suggesting that. But I, I have to tell you, 54 years old, I never noticed before, no matter how many times I read that. That Jesus of Nazareth understood what it was like to be deprived of his sight. And in in doing so, was mocked by people and and humiliated because of it, saying to the author of life, you know, who was it who hit you that time? I mean, just the profound, I mean, disrespect, mockery, blasphemy of that is just you can't even speak of it. But to your point, uh, it, it is exactly that relat- relatability or, uh, the, you know, the Lord's voluntarily taking on a relationship with his body. I mean that's what the incarnation is about. T- taking on limited humanity, you take on that role, you will die. Human beings with the death rate is still one per person. And 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 that's just a remarkable. So when, we talked about the Imago Dei earlier. I mean, what is it to bear the image of God? It is to bear an image of a creator who understands, relates to, suffers and dies and somehow (laughs) mysteriously powerfully transcends all of that. And that's just a, a tremendous open. By the way, Brother Garrett, I totally agree with you on the business of you get into theological writing and especially when it comes time, sometimes for academics or whomever. You got you got to kind of get a little edgy. I'm not so sure that I would ever endorse the phrase of disabled God. I don't know that I <laughs> but I do find no. in that, just as I find in the phrase liberation theology or some of these other uh, trends in in the writing. I mean, there is you almost have to go past that human tendency to want to try to promote a point of view or an ideology and, and then see behind that to these really much deeper profound truths, okay. which I got to say really provide me with a lot of comfort.
8: It's two thirty one, and Peter has his hand up. Did you want to take that? Yes. Or... Yes. Wait. Yes. Yep. Okay, Peter.
11: Um, well, a couple of things. Um, Nancy Iceland is the one that um, coins the phrase of disabled God um, yeah. in her book by the same title. And that, um, uh, a brilliant book uh it it really uh shook the world when it came out in 19 what was 1992 i think yeah yeah wow um and that uh, but that that uh, i I'm, I'm a little concerned about how crystal centric our conversation has gotten and how testimonial it has gotten um we need to make some room for earl and um and for kathy that Um, if we're going to have this conversation and and have it be ecumenical. Um, And then the last piece that I would like to say is that as much as I endorse the uh, disabled God image that Nancy Iceland paints um, in John 20, especially um, I would like to point out that Thomas, um, I I happen to be working on a book right now um, and, and I, I like to think that I am a theologian, not playing at it, Um, but that um, Thomas carries all the marks of being um, at least visually impaired, um, possibly blind, and that the name Didymus um, is a a name that gets carried on uh, throughout uh, other parts of history. Didymus the blind was one of um, innocence, um, um, not Innocence, um, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Do you mean, mart- mean Martyr? No. Um, okay. um, Origin. that's what I'm thinking of. Um, uh, Didymus the Blind was one of Origin's teachers in Alexandria, and that uh, he got the name Didymus because it was a name that was attributed to blind people because when they walked with sighted companions, they looked like they were Siamese twins. And so Didymus became uh, the name that was used. Um, and, that, uh, and and the name Thomas already by itself means twin. So that um, Didymus, I think, has... Um, stronger implications from that and the way that Thomas wants to uh, be able to witness to the crucifixion is the way that a blind person would do it unless you put my fingers in the holes of his hand and my hand in the holes of a hole in his side I will not believe and then there's that wonderful wonderful joke at the end when Jesus says yeah blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe
3: I love that um,
11: um, so I I'm, I'm I happen to be making a case for the fact that Thomas Thomas, if not blind, is visually
3: impaired. I love that's awesome, Kathy. Any comments on any of this?
5: Not really. Thanks though for uh, giving me the chance. But I'll pass on to the next person. Thank uh, you,
10: Earl. Yeah. Um, Well,
9: I am not a theologian, okay? Um, But the God that I pray to is, for want of a better word, non-corporeal. Since he's never had a biological body, he could never have been injured. He's certainly not disabled. Uh, But when you think about it... um, since God can only create perfection, that would tend to mean that we're all perfect. And yes, I'm missing a uh, one of my five senses, but does that make me less perfect than anybody else? In general, no. But it it means that there are things that i have to deal with so as far as the disabled god i mean that doesn't translate in judaism just there's nothing to be disabled you know he's fully able can't not do what he does
3: okay so do we have any hands lucy um no we don't have any and I don't think we have any hands in clubhouse because I didn't see Herbie raise his
8: hand, so... Herbie would raise his hand, yeah. He
3: would. So, um, last thing out And we skipped over this, but I do want to get everyone's comments on this because the, the whole discussion of Jacob was brought up. Um, and what is... is I'm I'd be curious on all the panelists' thoughts on this about the idea of disability as, as a blessing. Uh... Um, so and and whether that's a good thing whether that's a so who wants to take that on
1: well okay well i'll put my head in the lion's mouth here and by saying look look at uh look at the sermon on the mount i mean how many of those so-called beatitudes would you say if you uh, you know uh typical american 21st century existence how how many of those how many people would volunteer to be any of those people? Meek, poor, mourning, or in mourning, persecuted. Mourning, persecuted, persecuted. Every mm-hmm. last one of them. And you say, mm-hmm. and 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 and, and I'm DJ, I'm looking you. at you because I because you, I've heard you talk about this before, man. So I, I I'm 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 queuing you up, brother. So I mean, <laughs> to me, I mean, I see. This is the thing. It's like we assume, and sometimes that translation is. Happy are these people. I mean, I think no matter which word you use, blessed, happy are, it, 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 you just clearly we have a very limited, very human finite as we would, because that's who we are, understanding of what that stuff is. So, I mean, is disability a blessing? I, somebody I know says, is it a blessing or a lesson? And sometimes I wonder if maybe that's really what we're talking about here people who experience these things whatever their life circumstances are that are not the you know picture perfect you know american dream version of what happiness is does that mean you're blessed and happy or does it really mean something a bit deeper than that and 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 i guess that's what i'm have I'm lobbying for anything maybe that's it that in the case of a person like myself who's been has this thing called a disability all my life I, I don't know that I necessarily see it as a a gift that is wrapped in tinsel with a pretty ribbon uh, with, you know, little snowman on the on, on the on, on the on the wrapping on the gift. Uh, but wow, uh, what a what a profound gift it has been. I mean, I don't mean I'm not trying to brown nose you all, but I mean, but for this disability of mine, I wouldn't have gotten to know, know, know any of you. I would never have gotten to 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 see a world of advocates across disability, the various disability groups across faith traditions, who just lead unbelievable lives. Have literally not fan, nothing fanciful about it. They have literally changed this world, and and to be a part of that, to have a glimpse into that, I love uh, Peter. Your thing about Thomas being visually impaired. I mean, in that certain sense, sort of a blindness of the heart, if nothing else. I mean, how how many people go through this life not having this window that a lot of us have on quite frankly how things really are? And through the eyes of faith, and frankly, I think how things really are eternally. I mean, wow, what a what a what a gift, what a cross, what a revelation. What I gotta think?
3: jump in. Go ahead, Jake. Oh. Go ahead. I, yeah, you know, yeah. we
10: because I've written on this uh, through the Bible app they've been yeah, doing. I
1: know he
10: We're doing a uh, whole thing on the Beatitudes, and uh, each morning that I have done, it is it, weird because I, I I titled them. There's blessing in being poor. Spirit. Yeah. yeah wait a minute how can that be because we're looking at it like okay be poor in spirit i mean I ain't, look i ain't, ain't no millionaire i ain't <laughs> got that out there and my spirit right now is so low that if it got any lower i don't know what i'd do it myself yet yeah. and still let's look at you know poor in spirit blessed are those who are persecuted is blessing and persecuting and being persecuted? You mean to tell me Jesus, who was hit and and, 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 and and wounded and all of this here stuff like that there? There was blessing in him being persecuted? There was blessing in Paul being shipwrecked and all of this stuff like that there and going through all of the stresses that he went through? How can there be blessing in that? Well, I agree with the aforementioned Mark, who just said, if it had not been for my blindness, now as much as i I mean, I did not set out. Yeah, for whatever but, you know to say. Okay, uh, on on uh, on December whatever of 1975, I'm going to become blind. Boom. Mm. I didn't. I didn't plan on that. Yet and still here. And this is my badge, and I wear it well. And as far as even like a scar. A friend of mine years ago had a painting done of them, and they had a scar on their head, on their forehead. It was a deep scar. And when the painting was finished and it was shown to him, the artist showed it to him, and he looked at that painting, and he said, it's just not me. And the artist said, yes, it is. It's, it's for you, the eyes, the nose, everything. He said, no it's not me because you forgot one thing. And he said, look, and he pointed to the scar on his forehead, he said, you forgot the scar. He said, not that the scar makes me, but it is a part of me that comes with me. So no, my blindness does not make me. I make it as it has become a part of me. So, you know, I look at that, and, and the metaphor of, Blessed are the poor. Yet, what's the blessing? What's the reward? What comes after that? Blessed are the meek. What's the the blessing in being meek? Their inheritance. You know, so there's that bad side. It's sort of like saying, oh, man, I'm so low. I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm not healed. But God is able. What happens is anything you said after, but cancels what you said before it. So I may be poor in spirit, but mine is the kingdom of God. I may be persecuted, but mine is this, that, or the kingdom of heaven. I may be this, but I know that I'm that. So I may be blind, but I'm happy that it could be a whole lot worse. Because when I think about people who have double disabilities or more disabilities than me, that is something that I I couldn't imagine. But they were for the grace of God, it could be me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: amen. So Michael so, and so, then, so, yeah, Lorna, Kathy,
4: so, Earl. So I, I, I'll try to be quick. So so I think Mark and, 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 and DJ, Sort of answered this question. If I weren't blind, who would I be? Mm. What kind of person would I be? Mm. Would I be the same Mm. person that I am now? Would I see the world, and metaphorically, I suppose, Mm -hmm. would I have the same vision of the world that I have now
10: because of my blindness? Right, right. And, And so, so
4: I, I hear, I hear testimonies all the time of people who have lost their mm. physical sight. And now they say, I'm kind of, this is this has been a, an eye opener for me because mm. now I see life differently because of mm. life. I was mm. going down a different road when I had all my physical vision, but now I see life different. So so when we go back to, to her example of, of, of Jacob, and saying I'm, I'm, I won't let you go until you bless me
11: mm-hmm.
4: it's that closeness it's that relationship it's that I that's want it. to be blessed by God because I want God to be in me and me in him it it really boils down to who you are on the inside because that's because our disability now, it, 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 we see things differently. We see things, life differently. It's who you are on the inside. Jacob mm. says, I'm a new person. I'm a different person. He was the trickster. Yep. But, after, but after he was enlightened, and then he became a new person. Remember, God changed his name to Israel. Mm. That's right. So, so it's, it's, it's different. We are different because of who we are. We would be a different person if we had, if we didn't have the blindness or the disability. Yep.
3: That's good. Mm-hmm. Kathy,
5: well, um, I, one of the things that it for me it took me a while to grasp, but um, I finally did, and it gets easier with time. Is the thought of paradox? You know, a lot of people will say it's only this way or it's only that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Sorry. and so, uh, but it's not. It's not this or that, it's this and that, like DJ was saying about the, the, you know, yeah, there's this, but there's also this. And so there's, we need to just remember that, yeah, it's a pain to be blind. It's discouraging. My poor wife has such a hard time with that. And like, why won't you heal me? You know, and uh, so, um, but there's so much that, comes out of it that would not like you said, that would not have come out of it, if we would not have experienced if we didn't have it, so it's not this or that, it's this and that thanks
3: Earl
9: well obviously I could go on for quite a while but uh, when I went blind, I did experience some anger around it Um, of course, since then I've become a stand-up comedian and one of my (laughs) favorite lines is There is one advantage to being blind. Nobody ever asks me to be the designated driver. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it doesn't take much to drink myself blind either, but I got a head start. And I did not go through the transition of going into blindness. I was driving a car one day completely blind the next. So uh, it was a rather sudden transition. Yeah. So yes. Um, are there advantages to being blind? It, it, it's tough. I, someone spoke to, um, to being poor, and it brings back uh, what Tevius said in the beginning of Piddler uh, on the Roof, God, you made many poor people. I know it's <laughs> no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. Um, <laughs> and on that, I think I'll wrap. Uh,
7: okay, you got about ten minutes, Lorna.
6: <laughs> I'm going to say this. I, it's true. It's as a blind person, it's the both and. It is. It, it can be. It can be a cross but there's also a giftedness there as well. Um, and because it is a part of who I am, um, and there are many instances and many situations and many people I have had an opportunity to meet many things I've had an opportunity to do and places I've had an opportunity to go. Um, would i've had a chance to meet them if i weren't blind perhaps i don't know but um i think i had a chance to meet them in a particular way in particular circumstances that if i were sighted i probably would not have had that chance um so yeah it's a mixed blessing
3: but i'm grateful awesome all right honey do you have any comments
2: well, I was just thinking, I mean, once again, you know we have this like very rich conversation, and I appreciate um the honesty that I that people have shared, right the fact that there are sort of principles and concepts about what it means to be a church and what it means to be a church that includes everyone, but then there's our reality that. I suppose what I'll say from that I I feel I've learned from this conversation is that our churches or synagogues, maybe even our temples, you know, these are all institutions made up of people. And as, 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 as that is the case, then, um, I suppose we're all continuing. We're still on the path, right? We're still trying to figure out how to fully realize, those some of the principles that uh, and and concepts that we we talked about. Um, the other thing that I thought was really interesting and I don't know if a, a, a call should be made about this but just talking about that word disability mm. um, sort of what it means um, and and how how we use it because I mean in as much as, i think we're talking about ability i i think from some of the comments i heard here um it still has connotations of limitations and inability and lack of so i i i think that's just something that that i think you know um and blessing what a word right um mm-hmm. I, I i i'm not a feel theolo- <laughs> not a theologian and and I suppose I got into this topic and brought it to and talked with Tim about it because of the book, you know, mm-hmm. the my body's not a prayer mm-hmm. request. Um, mm-hmm. I was able to sort of read that and understand some of the concepts that she was talking about. Um, so, again, I, I love everyone here sharing and reminding us that um, blindness is absolutely a challenge, um, but that we need to think about our lives as a challenge and or something but, and then we get to fill in the rest of it. So those are some of my thoughts.
10: You know what? I'd like to think of myself as being a blessing because God has blessed me so that I can be the blessing to someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it means that if I can mm-hmm. bless me someone else through my blindness, so be it. Of course, I gotta be then So be it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be that blessing that mm-hmm. God has made me to be. and pass mm-hmm. it on if I can't take it with me. Mm-hmm. There
6: you go. Yeah, We can sure. do some stuff. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Cheryl and Tim, I want to thank you for hosting these conversations. This has been just absolutely amazing and i really have appreciated hearing my fellow panelists um, share their thoughts and their experiences Mm -hmm. i really just appreciate this
2: well i'm gonna say i think you know we we sort of started the conversation and i i totally invite others to continue um, and I, I know we've got different sort of groups that meet. Um, so maybe the next group would be better at being um, more sort of inclusive of different religions and different faith traditions. So I'm going to put that out there. <laughs> we we want to continue the conversation. Or we want to expand participation.
5: Absolutely. So. absolutely
6: Expand the tent.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'd also too we 'cause we're we're getting kind of near time, I'd like to thank uh Lucy who was our Zoom host, and Bryn who streamed for us today, and Herbie and Clubhouse who uh manage Clubhouse. And I think it's um you know, this is this has generated a lot of discussion like Cheryl. I hope that you know that other people take up this mantle and continue because i think it's um i think it's important i you know just just because we're blind people doesn't mean we don't have religious views which obviously we all do because we're all here <laughs> <laughs> so um and we're just a, a cross-section of you know the larger community so i i think this has been these two Conversations have been very productive and very thought provoking for me. And I'm just thrilled at all the participation that we've had. And I just want to personally thank all the panelists for giving of their time, um, you know, in this ongoing discussion.
5: Thanks for inviting thank us. Thank you, Tim.
3: Thank, you. Oh, appreciate thank it. you. for reaching out and inviting us. Thank you yeah. for them. Um, it's
10: the been a pleasure. Thank, mm-hmm. you, thank you. Thank you.
2: So I think this is our end of uh, Sunday edition and we invite everybody to come back next week. And Anthony will be here.
3: Back in his chair of great importance. Yes.
7: <laughs> All right. I'm going to go ahead and play the closing. Thank you everybody for such a great show.
1: You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media, Stream One. That's American Council of Divine Media, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com.
6: Let's brunch again together next Sunday.